The concept of agile development methodology has been around for a while and is nearing ubiquity even in large enterprises. In a recent survey, 8 out of 10 large organizations said that they've committed to adopting agile methodology. The numbers look a little different, though, in hospital and health system technology teams. The number there is 1. Not 1%. 1. Hello and welcome to DataPoint, the podcast where we talk about all the ways data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and today we're going to be talking with the Chief Information Officer of the Cleveland Clinic, Ed Marks. Ed has been around the health IT game for a while, and he was one of the first CIOs to embrace social media as an active blogger and Twitter user. He's also brought some pretty unique thinking to his relatively new role at the Cleveland Clinic. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Cleveland Clinic CIO Ed Marks as much as I did. Ed, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Greg. Looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. It's good to reconnect. Um, you've been at the Cleveland Clinic now for, what, about a year, a little over a year? Yeah, it's been about 16 months. Outstanding. Um, one of the things I want to do for our listeners is really to give them a sense not only of the great things that you're working on, but a little bit about how you came to be where you are. Would you mind sketching in a little background for us in terms of your career and how you uh, wound up being the CIO of the Cleveland Clinic? Sure. I'd love, I'd love to share that. I was fortunate early on in my career to have a mentor. And one of the things we did was develop sort of a career plan, like a one-page plan. And he had suggested that I get a lot of varied experience so that once I got to a certain place in my career, I could really focus in that particular area that I was most passionate about. So we talked about working in for-profit, non-for-profit, academic settings, public health, community settings, faith-based organizations. So there's really like five or six different possibilities. And so I was fairly intentional as my career began to grow in accepting positions that provided sort of that new experience. So I started off in community hospital, then I went to a for-profit organization, I went back to not-for-profit and did some academic medicine and did some faith-based organizations. And finally, the missing piece was really public health. So Mm. prior to coming to Cleveland Clinic via the advisory board, I served as the CIO at New York City health and hospitals and got a lot of great public health experience. And I realized looking back over my, I suppose it was about 25 years of service in healthcare technology that my heart most resonated with sort of the academic medicine because there you've got the three components that put it all together, the research, the academic aspects, and the provider aspects all coming together. And I just find those kinds of organizations more innovative just because you've got the research right there and the education and a lot of diversity. So when the Cleveland Clinic reached out, it was without hesitation that I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my career focused on academic medicine. And so I'm so honored and humbled. You have no idea. feel so privileged to be a part of this organization. It, It is as amazing or even more amazing than I had anticipated as I went through this process to become the CIO here. That is, it's great to hear. And I think, you know, one of the, I guess the things that are, are, uh, 
sort of conventional wisdom around hospitals and specifically hospital IT, we don't necessarily associate those with uh, a readiness to change, uh, a, a, a bent towards innovation. And uh, I read an interesting interview with you um, where you talked about the fact that you actually do change-ups in your life sort of to get you out of ruts. You know, you'll switch operating systems on your phone or, you know, you'll go Mac to to uh, to uh, PC. Can you tell us a little bit about that personal approach that you take to making sure that uh, being able to embrace change is, is a part of your life? Sure. I, I think it's very natural to become comfortable with the way things are, whether it's your personal life or professional life, right? After we establish a pattern, things become easier, more clear, and it's really easy to get stuck in a rut. And at the same time, working in healthcare technology, and especially at a progressive organization like the Cleveland Clinic, you've got to be on top of your game when it comes to innovation. We don't want to do the same things that we've always been doing. We continue to pursue with passion, you know, patient safety and quality of care. So, you really have to challenge yourself. And when I looked at innovation over the last few years and thought about myself and what I could do better, it really occurred to me that I need to change myself first. So oftentimes people want to talk about innovation and make innovation happen, mm-hmm. but they themselves are not innovative. So one way of doing that, there's probably better ways, but one way that's worked for me is to live in a state of uncomfortableness. So that's is the change up, like going from PC to Mac. That was a pretty big deal for me at the time, or mm-hmm. whether it was BlackBerry to Galaxy, Galaxy to, to iPhone, you know, all different things, and not just technology, but different things in my personal life, whether it's hobbies or the fashion or house design. I mean, you name it, the car that you drive, it's good to change things up because you learn, learn more. And then being very intentional about getting outside of healthcare. So I try to spend, you know, a significant amount of time studying outside of healthcare or when I've participated in boards in the past, I love the boards that are not healthcare specific because I learned from my colleagues at General Motors or, or Kellogg's or mm. where, where have you that what they're doing and how we might apply those things into healthcare. So that, that, so I'm a big uh, believer in, in that sort of change up. Yeah. It's interesting as a leader too. When people can see that you're willing to embrace change and to be uncomfortable with that change, it it makes it easier to uh, do that themselves, don't you think? Absolutely. You always have to lead by example. So I try to continuously challenge myself and learn new things, whether it's, like I said, I gave several examples already, but a dance comes to mind as well. So I've learned different dances over time. My wife loves to dance, so... I learn different dances with her, and it's just things. I'm not comfortable necessarily learning new dances and trying things out in public, but you know what? You only live once, and if you, again, you don't change, you, nothing around you is going to change. So you definitely have to live by example and share those examples with others and encourage others to do the same. It's funny, uh-huh. Greg, that in healthcare technology, I found that people are really comfortable being comfortable. So you would think... Mm-hmm that technology people would be the first to embrace new things. But I found quite the opposite over my career that we tend to, for some reason, be the last sometimes who are wanting to change or or pushing new things. And 
I found that very interesting and quite perplexing. So I am very purposeful in the workplace to help people become more innovative and to, to get comfortable with change. Well, and here's another interesting thing, Ed, and this is I want to dive into some of the work that you've done in that 16 months with Cleveland Clinic. And, and I find it interesting that one of your earliest initiatives uh, after taking the CIO mantle wasn't necessarily to make any technology changes, but actually to focus on the language that the IT team is using to guide and, and describe its work. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, it's all about customer relationships. And here, all of our employees, we're called caregivers. Whether you're in technology or you're a nurse or a physician, we're all caregivers. And it's important that we in technology understand the language of the caregivers and speak their language. Too often, we just speak techno jargon that no one understands. And they kind of look at us funny and maybe not, they don't embrace us as much as we want to be embraced as part of the overall care team. So one of the things that we've done is we changed our language. So we're big, very disciplined, or becoming disciplined, I should say, mm. in ITIL practices, ITSM, IT service management. And even though we might call things in that language major incidents, so when things go wrong, we call them major incidents. In the language of our clinicians, they're called serious safety events. Mm. So if I show up and talk at the executive meeting about a major incident, they're not really going to understand what I'm speaking about. Obviously, intellectually, they'll grasp it, but it still creates a little bit of a different taxonomy, if you will. So we call them serious safety events. So something goes wrong, and we have definition around it, impacts people. We call it a serious safety event, and they understand that. So I can show, look, here's our trend of serious safety events over the past year and how they're coming down and and these are the things we, we've done. Another example, an easy example would be if I go in there and talk about ITIL or ITSM, you and I might understand and other techno people might understand that we're talking about sort of a best practice. So that's what we call it. We call it care pathways. So my clinician colleagues, we talk about care pathways all the time, right, in electronic health record or even outside the electronic health record, and it's evidence-based best practice. So if I walk into the room and say, we're doing ITIL and ITSM and start talking about service management and different things like that, their, their eyes are going to roll. They're not going to be as engaged or interested because they don't understand. So I talk about it. I never say ITSM. I talk about it as, hey, we are implementing care pathways into our technology, and it's evidence-based, best practice globally, and then they understand it. So that, those are just a couple of examples. The, the final thing I would share with you so that everyone learns the language is we spend, and I've done this over my career because I found it so valuable, we spend an entire day, each caregiver, working, serving alongside a clinical caregiver so that we get that patient experience. And it really changes things too. One, they, wow. they again learn the language, but it's very powerful because it helps them to really understand that what we all do, whether we're a database administrator or a network engineer, an analyst of some sort, whatever we do, we're part of that care team and, and it touches people's lives and we're part of that process to make people heal and get better. What a great way to make that real. I mean, there tends to be so much, I think, cognitive dissonance in organizations uh, when different silos are sort of pulling in their own direction. But boy, I, I can't, you, you really break down that cognitive dissonance when you actually are having 
people serving patients, uh, you know, who don't do that on a day-to-day basis. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think a, a leader's role in part, especially a CIO's role, is to connect the brain to the heart. So we may be the best network engineers or database administrators. That's fine. But we have to connect to the heart. And one way of doing that is by exposing them to the life of a patient, the life of a clinician. And it really, it really uh, makes a difference. I'll, I'll leave you with one quote as we move on. And that mm. quote from someone who had this experience said, Ed, you know, I, I really wasn't a fan of doing this. I'm really busy. I had to take eight hours out of another project in order to spend a day with a clinician and shadow them and see, see uh, what they do. And I've worked here for 25 years, and I never knew we had patients. <laughs> wow. So obviously, yeah, obviously in their mind they knew, but they yeah. didn't in their heart. Yep. And that person is now the best database administrator in the world. That is fantastic. And that is a great story to leave on as we head into a break. Uh, Stick around. We will be right back with Ed Marks, the CIO of the Cleveland Clinic. Hey, everybody. This is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Ed Marks, the Chief Information Officer at the Cleveland Clinic. Ed, when we left, we were just talking about the fact that your IT team has begun to be really uh, much more aligned with that caregiving process, both through its language and through its practices in terms of you know being present uh, with patients and uh, and clinicians. But that's not the only major change that you've initiated. I understand that your shop has gone agile now. Um, most of our listeners are working in the healthcare space, not necessarily the technology space. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and uh, why that's a big deal? Yes, I'd love to share. So first, I have to give credit to my team. So a lot of the ideas I share with you, some might come from me, but I think the majority come from my team, and Agile was absolutely one of those things. And obviously, when you have the right team together, you all brainstorm and collaborate, and you come up with even better ideas, and that's the beauty of solid teamwork. But in terms of Agile specifically, it was definitely the brainchild of other members of my team. And going back to one of our earlier conversation pieces, it's about change, and are, do you want to do the same thing over and over, or do you want to try something different? So they convinced me that, look, one catalyst to make big change and, and become even more customer-centric, customer-focused, is to take the entire IT organization agile. So we're all familiar with agile development, which is often contrasted to what they call waterfall. You know, you finish mm. A, then you go to B, then you go to C. But agile, there's no A, B, C. It's all sort of mixed together. And companies that have gone agile with development, they put out products faster, it's cheaper, and the quality is better. So there's all sorts of great evidence out there. And that's why all modern companies that I know of, like a Microsoft, not, I'm sorry, 
not Microsoft, but but Facebook and Spotify and Amazon, they're all agile companies and mm. you see the results. So we decided that we would go that same route and have all of the division being agile, not just the software development. So it took a year and a lot of new learnings because it caused a complete reorganization, a, a new way of work, a new way of thinking, very customer centric, very fast, agile, as the name implies. Mm. So the response from our customers has been very, very good. They're getting the right product faster. So I'll give you one example. In the past, let's just say we were developing something. And again, it's this is more than just development, but it's an easy example. We we're developing something and we would get customer requirements or product requirements, and then we'd go away for a while and produce, develop, and show them. And they might say, oh, I really wanted that screen to come up before the other screen, or, oh, I didn't know that it would really end up like this. It's a little kludgy. What about if we did this? And then you go back, you make the change, and you kind of go back, you know, over over time, and it takes a long time, and it's costly to do it that way. So in, with Agile, we, we have product owners, and the product owner is very closely aligned with the customer, and w- within two weeks, typically, we'll produce something, a minimally viable product, and the customer is engaged throughout that time. So there's no waiting six months for a redirect. They're right. engaged right then and there. So we do that across the board in the way we operate. So one way that this all melded together, well, there's really two good examples. One is that some of our customers have seen the benefit of us transitioning completely to Agile and have started to become Agile themselves. So started to adopt some of the Agile principles. And, and my favorite way that this has all manifested and all come together quite beautifully is our organizational leadership. We decided that in order to best manage our organization was through daily huddles. And so that's not anything new. It's a really good continuous improvement practice. And the great people that we have that are heading up CI, they get all the credit absolutely for this. So they started daily huddles. So there's several layers. And by the time it gets to the most senior layer, it's, it's sort of our level six huddle. I'm a participant. All the executives are participant. Our CEO completely engaged. And within 15 minutes, we know every key metric going on in the hospital that day can take immediate action. So the communication is everything is escalated and we can communicate back down if there's something that we needed to, to help out with or remove barriers, those sorts of things. And so at 11 a.m. every day, we know exactly what's transpired the last 24 hours and sort of have a look ahead as well. It's a really beautiful thing. So with an Agile, there's a lot of huddles as well. And so we have conformed our, our, our huddle methodology to the organizational huddle methodology. So by the time that I show up at that 11 a.m. meeting, I've already been briefed on our internal huddles in mm-hmm. terms of what's going on in IT, what are the issues, what things will, will impact our caregivers and our patients. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing, these two things coming together for the benefit of the organization. So that's another example of how Agile has really changed the way that we operate. The, we're much more responsive. We're much more customer-centric. We are have moved with greater velocity, with greater sense of purpose. So, and, and so it's new to me. And it goes back to the new things. Like, wow, I just learned something new. Had I come in here and said, 
no, I've been doing this a while. We're going to do it the same way. No, that would have been terrible because every culture is different. Every organization is different. So you got to look at the situation, take all the great ideas from other people, and collaborate and, and figure out the best way forward for your specific circumstance. You know, and it feels, Ed, as though that theme of alignment carries on throughout the organization. You were telling me uh, when we were off mic a little bit about uh, digital health initiatives uh, at Cleveland Clinic, because there are at Cleveland Clinic, you know, I think all of our listeners know it's a brand that's been associated with innovation for decades. Um, and so it's not surprising to hear that digital health is something that is uh, happening in lots of ways in lots of different departments. You were telling me a little bit about uh, the digital health vision for Cleveland Clinic. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and about how it works to encourage and not stifle that sort of innovation that's happening in uh, the department level? Yes, you're absolutely right. The amount of innovation, both formally and informally, here at the clinic is astonishing. So I knew the reputation as well, but it wasn't until I actually arrived, feet on the ground, that I realized that just how amazing our researchers are, our educators are, and our caregivers, providers, who are constantly thinking of new ideas and making things better for our patients, increasing the quality of care, patient safety, engagement of patients. It's just remarkable. So as you can imagine, a very large organization, very complex, a lot of people doing different things. Some some are similar to others. Some are very unique. Mm-hmm. So we decided that let's try to bring everyone together in a way that doesn't stifle the innovation because then you get bureaucratic and that can hurt innovation. But at the same time, let everyone know the direction that we're heading and try to gather synergies. So we formed a task force, a short-term task force that was representative of the entire organization. And our organization is centered around four things. First is the patient. Second is the caregiver. Third is the organization. And four is the communities that we serve. And so we developed a digital strategy through everyone's input. So this was, while I had the privilege of leading, everyone else on the task force was non-tech. So we had providers, we had HR, human resources, we had finance, we had supply chain, nurses, doctors. It was across the board. So it was a very collaborative effort trying to get the best voices heard. And so we developed this overarching strategy of the direction that we felt we needed to go. And then we went through a deliberate process with some of our partners in terms of who would be able to help us in different areas of actuating our plan. And so that has gone uh, pretty well. And so that's what we're we're in the midst of right now. So we are executing mm-hmm. on our digital strategy and sort of the vision that has come out of it. And this is hasn't been codified, set in stone, but from our digital health perspective, in five years, this is what we see. 50% of outpatient visits will be virtual. 25% of inpatient days will be at home. Wow. So again, that's 50% outpatient visits virtual, 25% inpatient days at home. So I'm glad you repeated that because that's that's those are kind of overwhelming numbers uh when you when you put them out there like that. And I know that there's been a tremendous amount of progress made kind of leading into that direction. So you're not building on a base of zero, but 
What are some of the things that are going to need to happen over the next couple of years from a technology and data perspective that will enable that to become a reality? Yeah, so it requires robust infrastructure. It requires superior data analytics. There's a lot behind those numbers. There's a lot behind that vision. So rather Mm -hmm. than come out with some sort of fluffy vision statement that would sound the same no matter where you were, we tried to be very aspirational, knowing that in order to achieve that, all the fundamentals need to be in place. And so we're working on fundamentals yeah. and ensuring that those are never become an issue or an obstacle for us. And then we're experimenting. So we're innovating. So we do some things ourselves. We're blessed with a very talented group within our digital, we call it our digital domain, mm. who are very creative in developing things. You know, we won some Davies, uh, Davies Award last year for some of the development that this team has come up with that literally helps save people's lives. So it's just phen- phenomenal, some of the work that's being done to help us get there. And so we are growing our, our virtual health capabilities, and we're going to continue to pursue those. So we work very closely with our clinicians on, on, on what to do next and some partners. And, you know, we're very focused also on patient, what we call the patient experience. So we want to make sure that we have tools and technology out there to ensure, you know, the very, very best for patient experience. But one example to get back to the main part of your question is mm. we have to diversify our ability to take care of patients in their homes. So we can't be limited by one particular technology. We really need to be sort of device agnostic. So we've worked with a partner to enable that. So instead of being limited to six or seven devices, let's say that we might send a patient home with, we we can work with any device and, and connect with over 150 different types of IoT or Internet of Things devices wow. in order to best monitor and take care of patients. So it's things like that that will enable that vision to happen. That is really exciting. And I think it's a great way to close out our discussion today, Ed. Um, I am really grateful to you for being here and for sharing some of this experience with our listeners. Um, We've been talking today on the Data Point podcast with Ed Marks, the CIO of the Cleveland Clinic. Ed, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It's been a great honor. And again, all credit to an amazing team and amazing culture at the Cleveland Clinic. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.